You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're combining puppets and drawing in Fab Facts. 15 is not a lucky number for the randomizer. And we're heading deeper into the archive with two Scots. Great Scots, you might say. That's all coming up in pod 261. Well, it might. Of the Jerry Anderson Podcast! Great Scots! Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Oh, you went you went all a bit sort of Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future then, in a didn't you? really rubbish way. Good I mean that was, that wasn't an impression. Yours is very very good. Gosh, you got to know you do Christopher Lloyd as well as oh, Charlie McDonald, Terry Wogan, um, mm-hmm. many and the many others, um, and, and, and many others, and Yoda you just did there. It was very good. Yoda, yeah, you just went. Rrr. It was sounding mm. very yeah. See, there you go, Yoda as well. I mean, Yoda, it was. This is a oh, he's a man of. Podcast of the Jerry Anderson, it is. <laughs> a man of innumerable talents. Uh, we've just counted them on one hand, but they there are innumerable. Yeah. Uh, his yep. name over there uh, oh, yeah. is not Yoda. It's not Trevor no. McDonald. No. Uh, it, nor is it Christopher Lloyd. It is, in fact, Richard, Richard N. James. James. Yes, always has been, always will be. Will it? Yes, professionally and personally. Okay, amazing. I mean, it's yeah. quite amazing that you managed to get Richard James when you registered with uh, Equity back in the day, because surely there must have been some other uh, Richard James. Well, you're assuming I registered with Equity. <coughs> oh, okay, uh, let's move uh, on. Uh, and you are? Uh, <laughs> I am, have always been and always yes. shall be, uh, yes. Jamie Lionel Anderson. Ah, <gasps> oh, right. There you go. Yes. For a middle Good. name for which I was teased as a child. Repeatedly, oh, why? but now I own it because it's very Absolutely. cool. It's got a great origin yeah. story. And if That's you right. want to know more about that origin story, then you should watch Jerry Anderson: A Life Uncharted, uh, a documentary yeah, on the life and times of Jerry Anderson. But yeah. moving on from that, actually, I wonder if Chris should add Uncharted into the randomizer. Moving on, Ooh, Chris, the Chris of whom I speak is Christopher Randomizer Dale. Oh yes, uh, which is his full name. Yes, it is. And a title it's you true. must always use. Always. Uh, and he joins us every week at the end mm. of the podcast, just before Richard and I wrap up and say some silly nonsense. Uh, more silly nonsense. More silly nonsense, sorry. And he brings us the randomizer, which is a section, a segment, one should say, where Chris uses a device called the randomizer. Yes. And that randomizer generates the pick for the randomizer section, which is mm. a randomly chosen random episode from a random mm-hmm. Jerry Anson show and Chris yep. watches it and says things that yep. you might find interesting might. and or entertaining might might can't guarantee Definitely it will well, no, really? because what if you're if you're listening and you're like oh I hate the protectors or oh god right. I'm not really well, a fan I of Captain Scarlet or yeah. I hate Terry Anson shows yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe you're in the wrong place although we're, we're welcome <laughs> to everybody you know we, we, we're very happy to welcome anyone haters yeah even the haters because you might, we might even turn you into a into a lover. Oh, there you go. Sounds a bit weird. Anyway, um, between now and the randomizer, yes. there are many, many things that happen. Oh. So, Richard James, this week, in the style yes. of someone oh. from a well-known what? bank trying to get us through what? the security questions, please what? walk us through the contents of this week's Jerry Anson oh. podcast. 
Oh, good afternoon. How can I help you? Ah, uh, yes, I just need to ask you some security questions. What's your first and favourite part of the Jerry Anderson podcast? Fab fact? No, that doesn't fit the answer I've got here. No, it, well, it says here it's the Jerry Anderson news. Yes, it'll be coming up after the fab facts. That's right. And then we have the randomizer at the end, yes. Uh, and actually, I, I'm just breaking character for a moment because I wasn't quite sure where it was going. But also to say, I've, I'm shaking things up a bit this week. Oh, no. There's a surprise. Well, as you may or may not know, dear Podstrons, we've got our live events next week uh, at the uh, Brit Sci-Fi event at the National Space Centre in do. Leicester. We does. We've got a live podcast, or recorded as live podcast, on the Saturday, and our very own live stream, Fab Live, on the Sunday. Yes! Uh, so I thought I would ask our lovely Facebook users in our Podstrons Facebook listeners group yes. to send me some questions to yes. ask you, Jamie Anderson. Oh! So uh, we'll be coming to those as we go through the podcast, instead of our usual Facebook posts and emails. That all right? Oh, uh, Sure. Yeah, just to mark the changes a bit, you know, because live next week, so let's have something different this week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What? I look forward to it, yes. Good. Excellent. You're you're not uh, unbreaking character then? Aren't I? You're not going back to the... um... Oh, no, 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 I see. No, no, it wasn't really... That was really difficult. I I don't don't know when this whole... That you failed at. When did this whole do it in the style of thing start? I can't remember, but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) <laughs> but okay, fine. I'll try harder for one that's a bit more fun next week yeah, for you. Please do. Just yeah, thanks. <clears throat> yeah, that's a pleasure. Uh, hmm. Anyway, right. For, well, before we get ourselves into any more of a sticky situation, I'll look forward uh. to these little bits that you're threatening me with. But in the meantime, yeah, yeah, yeah. should we go straight into a fan fact? Oh, you're threatening me now, are you? Uh, I absolutely am. <laughs> oh, go on then. Watch it, sunshine. Now, time for this week's fab facts. It is indeed the yeah. fab fact of the yeah. week. Yeah. Don't normally call it that, but I have this week because <laughs> each week I deliver a fab fact from our enormous tome of fab facts. It's huge, isn't it? It just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. It's quite Add amazing. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, absolutely. Yes. Ad, ad mortem, in fact. So I will flick through it. Richard will shout fab at a random point. I'll stop flicking when he shouts fab, and, and hopefully there we will find a fab fact. So, Richard, are you ready with your fab? Born ready. Good. My thumb is extra slippery today, so <laughs> watch this space. Here we go. Fab! You, did you hear how fast those pages I went? I did, yes. yes yeah, maybe having a, a slippery thumb helps. I think it, I, I don't know why, but I just sniffed my thumb uh, as if right. that would somehow give me the measure of the slipperiness. Anyway, <coughs> moving on. Um, we didn't have to know that, did Richard we? Richard James. Yeah, yes. I know, as all the Podstrons do, uh, that you are an enormous fan of anime. Well, I where that was going. Of what? Anime. Right. Aren't you? Um, Do you want to name any of your particular favourites? Or I, I just carry on the fab facts if you want. I would c- just carry on while uh, I think. Okay, well, I have a feeling while that, I Google. that you, you may not be as much of a fan as I thought. But yeah. whether you are or not, it's worth <laughs> knowing that the world of anime was very much influenced by the popularity of the Superman series back in the 1960s. Hmm. You can pretty clearly see that influence on Japanese culture in general, uh, most clearly in live-action productions like Ultraman and um, the Godzilla flick, Destroy All Monsters, um, which contain quite a few Derek Meddings-inspired effects. Uh, Now, it it just just goes beyond live-action. 
anime itself was influenced by this stuff too. Uh, and in the 1970s, mum and dad travelled to Japan to discuss making an anime series with Tohoku Shinsha, which is a, a yes. major distribution partner and uh, production house uh, that partnered with ITC at the time, who were doing distribution of the shows. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, now, they later, sadly, parted company. Uh, right. Dad went off and made Terror Hawks, as we know it now, and Tohoku Shinsha's producer ended up making Thunderbirds 2086 instead. Right. But while Dad was in Japan, there was an anime series on the air with a familiar name. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Cho Supercar Gatiga. I think ah, is how we say it. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to call it Cho Supercar for now. Uh, mm-hmm. It was about an orphaned young man who races a solar-powered um, mm-hmm. supercar. Right. Now, the supercar in question doesn't fly through the air, but it can jump really high. Uh, it also retracts its wheels, much like Max Jet Air Car in Joe 90. Oh. But instead of taking off, it joins together with other cars to form a giant machine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, the series has a lot of the uh, kind of racing and uh, a melodramatic plot involving a threatened takeover of the world by someone who turns out to be the hero's mother. Oh, more interesting. Uh, But by and large, uh, Cho Supercar Gattiger Gattiger, uh, Mm -hmm. would uh, would help keep the science fiction flag flying until Star Wars came out later that year uh, and proved to the world that the genre was here to stay forever. Well, certainly for the foreseeable future. Now, beyond the name, the visual influences of Dad's work are evident in the show. Some of the examples of anime that are very influenced by puppet shows include uh, Blue Submarine Number no. 6, which borrows from Stingray, <laughs> Zero Tester, which owes um, a bit to UFO and a bit to Captain Scarlet, um, and most famously, uh, Evangelion. Oh, I've always read that as Evangelion. Ah, in well, my head. maybe yeah. it is Evang- Evangelion. I, I don't know. Evangelion. Sure. I mean, I've seen yeah. it written lots, but I've, that's the first time I've ever had to say it. So, yeah, no, I like that. please do correct me. No, um, there's loads what? of other stuff out there in the world, especially in Japan, that's that's got an Anderson influence on it. But what are some other anime series that you know, Podstrons, that borrowed from or paid homage to the worlds of Century 21, Super Mario Nation, or beyond, even UFO and uh, Space 1999? Email us, podcast at jerryanderson.com. Yes, great. I mean, was your father aware of, of these homages? Oh, yes. What did he think of them? Was it okay, or did it smack a little bit of uh, no, no, plagiarism? I think he was very happy that yes. all that stuff was, was you right. know, that was inspired others, because obviously he was inspired by stuff as a young filmmaker and a, a middle-aged and an older filmmaker sometimes. Yeah, um, sure. So, yes, sure. it makes total sense that he would have yeah. absolutely loved all those little nods, homages, and um, borrowings. Yes. Do you think anyone would ever make an homage to the Joey Anderson podcast? Ooh. Um, and how will we know? Well, I guess if anybody starts using the word gubbins repeatedly in a, oh. another podcast or a show, then we know that's that's that. Right, right. Uh, or talking about yes. clammy ears, or you yeah, know, yeah, sure. I mean, what other podcast talks about clammy ears? Very few. I mean, you Sticky can thumbs. you can really see how we're we're changing the world one <laughs> podcast at a time. Uh, it really does feel like it, doesn't it? it one yes. podcast at a time. It really does. Yes, you're quite right. Anyway, posterons, <laughs> if you can think of any other influences, please let us know. Email us podcastjerryanson.com, and that brings us clatteringly and awkwardly and uh, with sparks flying everywhere to the end of this week's Anime Anime Fact. Fact! 
Yay! Could have been anything else, go. could it? Thank yeah, goodness we like got it. the right one there. Whew. Yes, thankfully. Uh, now, questions, questions, questions. Oh, you've got... Oh. Sorry, I'm just putting Fab Facts book back on the shelf. Yeah, no, you do that. Uh, I asked our lovely Facebook group uh, if they had any questions for you or I, Jamie. Oh, and or I or you. Fair, quite a few of them did. Oh, really? uh, for example, now Tom Hodden says, what are your go-to feel-good episodes for those rainy days when you need some comfort watching and junk food? Hmm? I... Uh, we're only talking Anders, uh, uh, from the worlds of Anderson, are we? I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, weirdly, probably yeah. Time to Kill. <laughs> Ooh, space really? Precinct. Space yeah, Precinct. Just because it's, right. su- it's such a sort of happy kind of go-to thing. Sure. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy it. And then mm. maybe... I feel like Stingray, maybe, like Pink Ice, possibly, yeah, would be kind of right, right. sort of warm and nostalgic and a bit fun and ever so slightly yeah. camp. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, I, don't, I feel like I might interrupt you saying, oh, a bit like you, but no, you weren't going to say uh, that, no, were you? No, I wasn't going to say that. It was oh, far from my mind. Okay. But to be fair, it is a bit like you. Okay, there we go. Yes. Uh, <clears> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be any Space 1999, really. Any Space 1999, because it takes me back to being, you know, six, seven years old again. Uh, and also, I do get a warm glow from watching Space Precinct. I think I'm going to say that. Some, some of the better episodes, memories and all that. And, and now uh, you get a high-definition warm glow. I know. Isn't that lovely? Mm. Uh, Tom also says, of the many roles that you've taken over the years, Jamie, as writer, director, host and interviewer, do you have a favourite? What do you enjoy most? Oh, uh, I mean, it's very lucky to do any and all of them, really. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, you know, the, uh, the podcast is great because it means I get together with Dickie every oh. week or two. And that is, uh, you know, that is a real highlight. And that's not mm-hmm. me just saying it. I, you know, that's very true. Something to do, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's it. And when, for, the right, for the right writing thing, the yes. writing is really fun, yes. um, but, but challenging. For the wrong writing yeah. thing... Or for a, for one where it's just not quite working, it's I find it really difficult because you're you're, you're quite well. I feel like you're you're quite disciplined. You just sit, you I get that sit, impression. Yeah, yeah, you do. get that impression, but it, it's yeah. you know when you're really stuck on something, Oof. God, it's a it's a struggle. Well, I always say that writing is problem solving. It's constant problem solving. Mm. How do I get this character to this point? Yeah. Oh, and they've got to meet that person along the way, and they've got to know about that. Yes. So how do I do that? Yeah. It's all problem-solving, isn't it? It is a lot of problem-solving. So, yeah. 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 Good. Go. Uh, Peter Lippmann says, My question is, with the magnificent return of Fireball XL5 to Talking Pictures TV, yes. has Jamie had any success in persuading them to show any other Super Mario Nation series? I hope so. UFO and Space 1999 have had good outings on other channels, but I believe the Sci-Fi Channel was the last to show any Super Mario Nation series, and that's quite a few years ago now. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a good chat about it over lunch uh, a couple of weeks ago when I went down to do the footage detectors oh, yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, very lovely people, very nice, and very happy to be doing it. Um, yep. I think the will is there. It's the way that is the problem. So they've got to license that content from ITV for the most part, and that's not always possible. It's not always sure. commercially viable. It's not always affordable. There might be other things going on that get in the way, but I think they're definitely keen to. I'd like to think the supercar might make a, uh, make a comeback. Um, yeah, and great. maybe Stingray next year for the 60th anniversary. That seems to be a good time. Anyway, I'll do whatever I can to help talking pictures because you know having this stuff broadcast again is really lovely, and it you know yeah. means more people get to see it. So yeah, yeah, I'm uh, all for it. Great, Scott Anthony Buckley. He says, Jamie, any more updates on more Century 21 ad- adaptations and John Thaden adaptations of Thunderbirds yet? Um, ooh, I have ooh. a feeling in a couple of weeks after this episode goes out. Yeah that there might be a recording happening. 
Oh. But that's all I can say. Is it? Yes. Oh, you tease. So there's okay. definitely some stuff happening. All right. Something in the air. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Something in uh, the air. And finally for now, David Hollis says, is there something in the pipeline that the podders should know or you want to tell but you can't? If so, please drop big, drop big hints if you cannot tell for now. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yes, yes. I, Anything I would... happening that you can drop big hints about? Let me see if I can think of a way to yeah. put this on record without yeah. giving Putting it, it on record. away. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've alluded to a thing, haven't we, that we are hoping to do, which will be a bit of a change for... For oh, the podcast, yeah. for the better. There's that. There is that. You and it, it will become very clear in the next few weeks what yes, we're talking about. Yes, you will have clear. 20, 2020 vision of this uh, yes, thing in, in due course. Yeah. Is that, right. Have we dropped enough hints there? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All for now, but more questions coming up later in the podcast. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm very, good, looking, very, very looking much forward to that in, in a different <laughs> order from those words. Thank you. Thank you, Stanley. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me at the moment. Uh, anyway, let's move on before I uh, make uh, some more mistakes. Yes, I think we should. Should we go into some Jerry Anderson news instead? Let's go into some Anderson Jerry news. Oh, uh, uh, It's the Jerry Anderson news, probably. <laughs> Yes, indeed. In the correct order, it's the Newsy Anderson, Jerry News News. What? No, that's confusing. Con- that's confusing. Confusy, fused, fused, fused. <laughs> yes. Do. Carry on. Uh, it's the Jerry Anderson News 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 News. Uh, so let's get going. Here's the, the first thing is uh, something about Brit Sci-Fi. So let's start with the new UK warehouse. I've been banging on about it for ages and we are now finally up and running. Uh, many of you have benefited from it already because we've found some stock that was uh, previously well had gone walkies let's say but if you are in the uk you can now benefit from uh, 3.99 shipping uh, or free if you spend over 50 quid at the jerry anderson store which we've um, not had for a little while so that's nice to have back mm-hmm. there are a few things that we are discovering as we move little warehouse finds and they'll be listed on the website over the coming days uh, on shop.jerryanderson.com along with it's a good week for thunderbirds fans Thunderbirds towels, as of today, one, two, and four from our friends at Hoob. The Thunderbird 2 bottle opener. I mean, it's it's a must-have, right? Everyone wants one. You want one, Richard? Yeah, of course you do. Um, perfect for barbecues, home bars, or just if you like opening things with bottle tops and are a Thunderbirds fan. Uh, also, a recent restock of the Bachman AIP models, which is great. Now, if you're outside the UK, you're thinking, yeah, but what about me? Shipping's so frighteningly expensive still. We're very aware of that and we are working on it. I'm hoping we might be able to offer some international shipping options this week. It's a few technical hiccups, but I think we might get there. So uh, stand by, but you are going to also benefit from some great new deals. Now, lots of you in the UK are coming along to Brit Sci-Fi this weekend, the 17th and 18th of June at the Space Centre in Leicester. We're looking forward to seeing you there. On the Saturday, we're doing a live podcast. On the Sunday... Fab Live. Oh, yes. Looking forward to this. Not sure whether we'll actually stream it yet. It slightly depends on the Space Center's Wi-Fi, but let's see. But if you're there for the podcast, there's something very special happening. A world exclusive, we might say. So it'll definitely be worth coming. Lots of us will be there. We'd love to see you and uh, have a chat, have a 
picture if you like. The Jerry Anton store will be there in a very small way with a small selection of goodies. So pop along, we'll see you in Leicester. And finally, Terrorhawks fans, Terrorhawks newbies. Yeah. Uh, the 10th of the month just gone because we're celebrating the uh, 40th anniversary of Terrorhawks on the 10th of every month. We just released the extended version of the pilot episode, part one of it anyway, Expect the Unexpected. That's available on the Jerry Anson YouTube channel, free of charge for you to enjoy. And we may possibly put part two up in a few weeks' time. Uh, so stand by for further action on Terrorhawks. But for now, that is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. Can't wait for Brit Sci-Fi News. Nor can I. It's going to be no. lovely, isn't it? Oh, one week to go. Is that I all? suppose I better start preparing for it. Probably. I mean, you've got stuff to be doing, haven't you? You've got all really those, um, all you those know, things, things that and that, that thing to practice. And Oh, can't wait. Yeah, uh, now, yeah. I'm going to head straight back over to our Podstrons because they're gagging to know what's in your brain. And they've been asking questions. <laughs> what are we going to say then? To tease out all that wonderful Jerry Anderson matter that lives between your ears. For example, uh, Deck Goodall says, uh, did Jerry or Tony Barwick have in mind or drafted a concluding story arc to original Captain Scarlet before Salou asked Jerry, what's he going to do next? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't think so, because they didn't really think like that, did they? They made these things and thought, yeah. well, we'll carry on. Yes. Um, it really wasn't a thing back then to say, yeah. oh, well, we'll close up this series and finish it off. Yeah. yeah. So, um, hmm. no, enough. I don't think so. Okay, uh, Jonathan Westall says, is there a Jerry Anderson series that you would love to adapt for audio with Big Finish that hasn't been done yet? Uh, mm. well, because what have we had so far? Well, most of them. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, we've talked about uh, Scarlet, uh, New Scarlet or Space Precinct, haven't we, in the past, which would be great uh, fun. We'd yes, really enjoy those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... No, mm. I don't. I think mm. those two would be sort of top of my list, actually. Yeah, and actually, if you want to see them, then or listen to them rather, hear them, then the uh, best thing to do is to email Big Finish and say, "Hey, come on! If you do this, I'll buy it." Yeah, why aren't you making this thing? Do that, yeah, it would happen. Yeah, yeah vote right. with your emails. Quite. Uh, Richard Goodborn says two questions. One: Is there any noise on the Thunderbird Super Space Theater films coming to Blu-ray? And two: It's my birthday on the twenty-first after Brit Sci-Fi next week. So can I have a happy birthday sung in the newsy news news style, please? All right, uh, Richard, I'll, I'll have to think about that. Uh, but Thunderbird Super Space Theater the films coming to Blu-ray. I would say, following last week's sad news about Network, that mm. um, it's unlikely at this stage. You never yeah. know, but. Um, yeah, uh, for now, it's just such an unknown. I don't think we can say, sadly. Mm. Yeah, uh, Lynn McKinnon asks, here's my question. Uh, Candy and Andy isn't everyone's favourite cup of tea. Uh, is it being developed further into anything animated or being reissued uh, with new stories done as it would fit in more now than it did then? <laughs> would it really? <laughs> would it though? Would it not in its original guise? I mean, it's if you... It's a bit like the Joe 90 thing. You look at Joe and you go, well, for a model lens, that's kind of child abuse and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, here yeah. you've got living mannequins that are sort of adopted or captive bipedal pandas that live above a toy shop with a, ma a magic mini. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's sinister and psychedelic yes. and no, yes. no, nothing's happening with no, Candy and Andy. No. That's one thing I can tell you for sure. Nothing, nothing, oh. nothing, probably never. Sorry. Right. Okay, fair Ooh. enough. Uh, Ross Patterson <laughs> says, Jamie, did you or were you ever tempted to write a fan-made story for Thunderbird, Stingray, Captain Scarlet, Joe 90 or any other Jerry Anderson's show while you were growing up? Uh, no, because I was too obsessed with Doctor Who when I was growing up. Of and course. also, if I, I think 
I think there would have been a little bit of a kind of if I did that, then Dad might have, you know, pooed it. it. No, oh, not <laughs> nicked it. He would have gone. Oh, I don't think it's very good. So I kept, right. I kept, I kept away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Port says, is there any way that international fans can enjoy the live podcast? Sometimes I feel like in the USA, uh, Australia and New Zealand, to name just a few, we're left out on celebrating or having exclusive access to meetups with you legends, Richard and Jamie, etc. I mean, there's not much we can do about that, is there? What, 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 what I mean, do we expect other than to do about running that? it, streaming it live, but then... Which is what we do. We, well, we, 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 we won't live. be live streaming. We're not be live streaming the podcast. But, no. Uh, that's because it needs an edit afterwards, whereas the live stream yeah. is, is, is live. I mean, yeah, that's the best we can do, really. Yes. Um, it's tricky, isn't it? Unless you want to have it some is. sort of virtual booth where you can watch people walking around the place. But it's not, it's not very exciting. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that, you know, Dave Lawson put in the effort, didn't he? And well, came from yes, Australia. Not everybody has the means or the time or, <laughs> you know, is able to do that. Um, no, Dave is a special case. Well done, Dave. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, we, we do our best to share it with you when we can and how we can. Yeah. And finally, for now, Tabitha Hoop says, of all the Anderson-related projects you've both contributed to, which are you most proud of? I'm thinking of a single project, so maybe, maybe a book, an audio drama, a show, a documentary, etc., that you were involved in. If you want to go with something slightly less specific, e.g. the podcast, or more specific, e.g. a character portrayal, that's up to you. So which of the Anderson-related projects are you most proud of? Well, well. Hmm. I mean, I am really pleased with uh, the Terrorhawks audio dramas, particularly Volume 3, because we uh-huh. essentially retooled a main character and told an epic space uh, battle story, which yeah, I thought was yeah. really fun and, and really lovely. And the closing yeah. moments of the final episode of Enemies, Negotiation and Deceit, which is the mm. final episode of that Terrorhawks box set, um, nice. is really lovely, a really emotional thing and very special. So that for me. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, for me, I think the thing of which I'm most proud and enjoyed the most, actually, was uh, Five Star Five and its attendant mm. sequels. <gasps> Sequel S. There's Interesting. That's a plural in there. Uh, mm. Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. To ha- having the freedom to take those characters and uh, spin off into some new adventures was, was quite fun. Yeah. And also to tidy up a few loose ends as I did so. Yeah. And you did yeah. a lovely job. Ah, well, there we are. Very lovely. Well done, you. Uh, yeah, all for now. Uh, plenty more questions to come, though, at uh, the other side of the uh, the interview. Oh, well, fine. Yeah. I mean, if there's more yeah. to come, then right? let's, let's hurry on in uh, to on, hear a bit more from Scott Tempest-Mitchell, that's Scott T.E., yep. and Scott oh, Evans, yeah. that's Scott E. Right. The, the two, 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 guys, the two guys from <laughs> uh, ITV Content Services up in Leeds who were responsible for the HD restoration upscale of Space Precinct. Um, they're going to share some of the secrets of restoring Space Precinct to its former HD glory, or actually never before HD glory. Yeah, uh, that's right. And also some you know, thoughts of interesting stuff they've had and found in the archive and uh, the future of uh, restored content. So nice. over to Scott and Scott now for part two. So, I mean, Scott TM, we've spoken on the podcast before about why Space Precinct was such a tricky customer, because people look at... You know, shows like Captain Scarlet or Joe 90, which have had HD restorations, they've, you know, new transfers, whatever. I think there's a there's an element of which this it's all a bit kind of uh, film, tape, negs, prints. What does that even mean? So, it, it, I'm because I'm sure you're used to talking to lay, uh, lay people such as myself about this kind of expert stuff. What, why was Space Precinct a slightly different treatment and approach? versus something like, say, Thunderbirds or Captain Scarlet? 
Well, when it comes to um, restoration or upscaling or, you know, making something from SD to HD, the quality of what you start with depends on the quality of the outcome. So if you go directly from the negative, the film negative, there is so much more information in that little cell of a picture uh, on a piece of film than there is on a videotape. So when... um, when you're analysing it or when your your computer program is analysing it from the film, it's got much more information to work with, much more defined lines and much more depth of, of colour and picture to work with. Whereas from a digital tape, that's simply not there. Thankfully, in the case of Space Precinct, the Digibeaters were still a very good quality picture. Uh, and I hope that comes through with the, the outcome. So we we were still limited in what we could do but we still had a lot more available to us because of the the, the quality of the starting picture. And as Scott mentioned, there's lots of evaluation that needs to take place. Also, lots of discussion between uh, our customer and us to exactly what it is they want at the end of it. Some people will ask us to transfer a VHS and and make it HD, which is, is kind of a misnomer because... Simply making something HD is changing it from the the little four three SD picture and making it so that it will play on a HD TV and not lose anything. It won't necessarily look better, but it won't look worse. What I think a lot of people expect when they say make something HD is to actually restore it and improve it and upscale it, which is what we we did with Space Precinct. So what we were able to do with that with our um, AI restoration tools is is analyze the picture make it bigger so it is actually hd but then we could smooth out certain bits make certain lines more defined get rid of a little bit of the noise and any any dirt and dust that may have been transferred over from the film when it was made into a tape so that's that's the kind of evaluation that we need to do the kind of dialogue that we need to have with people and the approach that we need to take and the, the good thing again about space precinct is that because the quality was so consistent throughout the AI upscale was actually a very, very good way to do it because mm. um, it w- w- there's bespoke restoration and there's AI restoration. The bespoke restoration, you can look at it scene by scene, shot by shot, frame by frame, and you can really tailor each and every part of it. But that takes much, much longer and therefore costs much, much more. The only, the only sort of benefit you get from that is if it's going to be some huge cinematic release or, or something like that, <laughs> or you just happen to have a lot of money and a love for that film. Uh, we've we've had people like that before. So with the the AI restoration, it's it's much quicker, much simpler, uh, much more budget friendly. But there are restrictions within that. So whatever it, it when it looks at the the file, it's looking at the entire thing. So it will do all of its its degrain, all of its sharpening, and everything at the same level throughout from start to finish. But not every shot may be the same. So some shots it will look brilliant. It will look perfectly clean and crisp and HD. And other shots, for example, if it's really dark, the the grain and everything is much more apparent. But because you're only setting those to certain levels, it only gets rid of a certain amount of grain. So it shows up more because there was more to begin with, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, So that's that's the sort of the challenges we we have with with Space Precinct and the, the way that we've got to approach it. Okay. So we'll continue with the kind of technical side of the, the space breathing thing and the process and uh, and the results because we made some tweaks along the way. But Scott E, from your experience in terms of working with ex- external people, AI upscaling has been around for a while and I've seen it used in various ways. And sometimes you get it, it looks really great on a very small 
bit like a title sequence or a little clip, but it hasn't worked terribly well for for longer form stuff. I think people have maybe slightly turned their noses up at it for a while. And now it seems to have made some leaps and leaps and bounds forward. Perhaps that's the people behind it, you know, uh, uh, like uh, like Scott TM and his team, you know, just getting better at it. But are you seeing more call for AI upscaling? And do you think viewers, consumers are are more accepting of it now than they they were in the past? It, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of there's always going to be a resistance to, you know, if we're looking at archive content, there is always um, a debate to be had about preserving the authenticity and the originality of the, you know, the original assets. And I think the beauty of the solutions that we're lucky enough to have is that, yes, we have off-the-shelf AI solutions and tools. We also have bespoke restoration and color, color grading suites. So we, we've got different horses for different courses, so to speak. There is definitely an appetite for people to save money. There's always an appetite for people to save money. AI is one of the tools that can help people save money. And it's still in its embryonic phase as AI is for so many different solutions in different industries around the world. But it's learning, and that's the very nature of AI. And the more people like Josh Clark, who's the head of our restoration team, gave a, a, spe- a speech about this. He was on a panel recently, a, a focal event in the north of England, and he spoke at length about this. And it's this learning phase, and it's the feedback from the users and the teams that are using these tools to the people that are manufacturing this software that will ultimately lead to its success or failure. I think if we're talking about work or, you know, uh, an archive or program series, a space precinct, that required something more than, you know, it needs more TLC than just a basic AI tool upscale. And, And it's had some refinement. Luckily, as Scott obviously just mentioned, the quality of the original asset, which is fundamental to the process here, enabled us to be able to do this relatively straightforwardly, whereas there are other assets, there are other collections where not all of the tapes and reels are equal and they all need different levels of restoration. So, yeah, going back to your original question, yes, AI, there is an appetite for it. There's always going to be an appetite for it. Will it get better? Undoubtedly. Will it ultimately replace uh, some of the work that the restorations teams do? Maybe at some point in the future it will. But as long as there are there is a requirement for things to have a nuance reel by reel, if it's film or tape by tape basis, then it's going to need a human touch to be able to identify that and go. Each one of these requires a certain level of focus and a different treatment. Yeah. Well, the the human touch thing, uh, perfect segue, Scotty. Thank you. That's almost like you fed me the line. So, Scott TM, we did a test first. Well. I caused a slight hiccup first by sending you the wrong format of tape. So that was a good start, wasn't it? I sent you a D2 rather than a DigiVita, not actually knowing the difference, I'm afraid to say, uh, but I do now. So um, once we sent you that that first DigiVita to do a, a test on, you guys ran a, a, a test AI, AI upscale, and I there was, a, there was a bit of me that thought, well, that is what the upscale is. That's it, end of story. But I came back and said, "Can we make some tweaks?" And thankfully, we could. So, what, what, what? I'm not expecting you to give the secret sauce, but what are the kind of parameters? How do you, how do you, kind of follow up with someone difficult on their notes about how they'd like it to appear to kind of maximize the clarity of that of the upscale to fit with the way it was shot? 
because we had a little some some disturbances on model shots that looked a bit odd and and you and Josh and co made it all better how um well without getting too technical and sending any of the um podcast viewers to sleep um they <laughs> they um video is 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 broadcast in different states there's interlaced picture and there's progressive picture uh, and that's all down to the sort of the the way that the the picture is displayed on the tv so what we initially did is we put an interlaced picture into uh, our restoration tools and it did a very good job but as you said there were some slight little imperfections in there and and we were able to ascertain that that was indeed down to the scan type so we altered that we created progressive scan types and we put that back through again which got rid of those little what, what they call aliasing lines which some people may may have seen without knowing what they are if you're watching something on uh on a streaming service or something and you notice that something that shouldn't look like window blinds kind of has that window blind pattern on it that's interlacing uh, and, and that's um something that comes across from an improper transcode shall we say so we we were made aware of that and we knew that there is something that we could do to it to make it better so we created the new progressive version we put it back through on the same settings that we originally did and we got the output that we had there is also the option if if uh, a customer comes to us and comes up with a, a, a something different that they've noticed or is not happy with for example there are some people that that like like some of the bespoke blu-ray releases they like their uh, footage to look like it's still on film so they want the scratches they want the dirt and dust they they want all that they just want it blowing up so we can tailor that with the with the eye upscale you can tailor it slightly but as i mentioned before it applies it to the whole thing um if we start chopping it up that then starts to increase the price and again with bespoke blu-ray people they've got a very limited budget so we we just have to temper expectations say well we can try altering this but if we alter this it might alter something else further down the line so we've just got to try and find that happy medium but because of the space precinct uh quality that we started off with we knew that we could just tinker slightly and we would still get a, a good outcome at the end which i i think we did the outcome is very good and the fans love it and really, uh, you know, responded incredibly well to it. It's given it a new lease of life. All the things that we wanted to achieve, I think, have been achieved. And we did a, an interview recently with someone who had seen it, seen the restoration. And he said, it's, it's just such a testament to the, the power of Anderson stuff that the team at ITV Content Services went all the way back to those original 16 mil elements and re-pieced it together. He, he felt that it looks so good he thought that you'd gone back to the original film elements that which are sadly lost to time now we believe so i think that's that's a testament to the, to the output and the work that you've done there that people thought it was a film restoration rather than a, a an, an upscale so you must be pleased by the the response that's that's a pretty big compliment i i feel mm. it's a pretty big compliment because some people they do they do they have their knowledge and they look at things and they will say no that's that's rubbish because it's you know to everybody else it looks fantastic but to them they're saying oh, that's come from video that's not the actual film but yeah if if we can make something look like it's been taken from a film and made new and made better then that is probably the ultimate compliment really yeah well take it because it's it looks great and i'm really really pleased to to see it i mean scott we got a little bit of press coverage and you know people kind of enjoying it and liking it and obviously we 
got to see uh, Idris Elba in HD, which was uh, a thrill for for all of us. Um, I mean, from your perspective, do things like this, projects like this, help kind of build the case for this kind of treatment of archive? I'm not looking for you to compliment us or say yes. It's all down to Anderson Entertainment that we've got it. It's just you know what what's the what's the downstream effect of doing a project like this? Well, obviously, the more projects that we can do, particularly projects like this, which have got you know not only a, a cult following to a degree, but also got you know there's a fan base, there's an audience out there for it. It's a great calling card. Mm. But you know what we can do. I mean, interestingly enough, I was just recalling. Um, as we were completing the process for you guys, I had a visit with the archive um, with uh, the head of collections for a, a very large, well-established local university who was just having a tour of the archive and meeting and greeting the teams. And he stopped. He stopped as he passed one of the team members of Scott's team who was working on the project. And he's like, hang on, is this Space Precinct? I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. And he could see the difference. He's like, wow. <laughs> And um, he basically said, right, I'm going to subscribe to a very well-known and associated streaming service with our business purely for this. <laughs> and that is, it sounds like a blatant ad, but it's not. They were his words. He's like, that looks incredible. I love this series. It was obviously of his generation. Um, and like, you know, in my ignorance, I was fully exposed to, you know, Jerry Anderson's back catalogue as a child growing up and loved, you know, some of the titles that Scott's mentioned earlier and in this um, and things like Terror Hawks as well. You, we talk about it, you go into all these different things. And and I wasn't aware of this series myself, you know, because it was just after I was now in adulthood at this point, I wasn't really exposed to that. I moved on to a different stage in my career, in my life at that time. But yeah, it is amazing. People are already talking about it. People come up to us and, and they're like, yeah, wow, you, you've you've seen what you've done with Space Precinct. And we're so, we're so impressed. We think he looks fantastic. So, yeah, it's a great calling card for us. There you go. Perfect answer. Exactly what I was looking for, Scott E. Thank you. But, no, it's it's really lovely. And Space Precinct has always been, I think, the kind of a poor cousin to many of the other Anderson shows, partly because of the material, uh, you know, the time it was made and all the, all the usual kind of po- political distribution stuff that surrounds these releases. But I think it's given it a new lease of life, and I, I really hope that continues. Just as we uh, wrap things up, we haven't we've we've kind of touched on some of the Anderson stuff, but for you for you both and kind of your experience to with Anderson stuff in the past, have you got a, a favorite Anderson show or or element? And when you answer that and have that in mind, how do you can you see a kind of genetic link? I suppose to Space Precinct. Does it feel like it comes from the same the same canon now that you? Have, have done this beautiful HD restoration. Scott TM, I'm going to throw you to the wolves first. Uh, where, what's your favourite Anderson thing? It's difficult to, to say, really, because there's, there's two that I remember being exposed to first when I was very, very young, uh, sitting at home in front of the, the TV with the big push buttons on it. That's how old we are. And it's the Stingray and Terrorhawks. They're, they're the two that, that really stick into my memory, the ones mm. that I... You know, um, I, I could probably still sing the the end theme tune to Stingray, which I'm not going to do. Don't oh, worry. Me too. <laughs> there's, there's a duet on the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they're they're probably my my two favourites. And yeah, the, I remember seeing Space Precinct on its first run, um, or certainly the BBC run. Yeah, and I, I knew it was Jerry Anderson, but I never sort of conflated the two. 
with with the Super Mario Nation and, and the Space Precinct mm. prosthetics and things like that. It wasn't until seeing it again when we were doing the work that you could see the the creativity and the the tricks and tips learned through decades of of Thunderbirds and and things like that. How he could manipulate the camera, you know, mm. like the, the the old trick of the the matte effect shot where it would be a, a film picture of somebody in a, a town laying, but they built models up around it just to give it more more um, more oomph. Yeah, just seeing those little t- uh, tricks and things like that. It was it's like yeah, okay, I can see that this is this is something that's been crafted from years and years and years of experience, mm. and it really shows. And it's still uh, the the, the um, physical effects and and a lot of the the model work for me still stands up today. It's it's that good. Yeah. Oh well, good. Steve Steve Begg, who did the effects on uh, on Precinct, you know, he he loved the restoration as well. He was really impressed by it and the the work, and he you know I, he'd be thrilled to feel that you kind of could see a connecting line from from the effects work on Thunderbirds and stuff. But I think it's right that, you know, you had those generations of effects artists who kind of cut their teeth on Anderson stuff and then went on to do bigger and better things and Meddings and Brian Johnson and Steve Begg. They're the kind of the big three. So yeah, I'm glad. Good, good. Stingray and Terrorhawks, unusual pairing. Good choice. Uh, Scott E. Do you know what? Great minds think alike. Great minds think alike. I would have gone down the same route, but there is, there's, there's always other options. But yeah, I think um, Stingray, same reasons. It's interesting. You know, yeah, now of a generation. So yes, the the <laughs> slightly unusual and 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 you know the, the theme tune at the end and the closing credits was haunting, haunting, <laughs> um, but beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, Terrorhawks was kind of in that sort of my, my generation, slightly older as well. Mm. But going back to, you know, obviously Thunderbirds. Yeah. Thunderbirds was, you know, it was a stalwart of growing up. Thunderbird 2, I had that as a child. The actual die-cast model with Thunderbird 4 coming out. I had like the little scale. I don't know whether it was dinky or whatever it was. Probably worth a hell of a lot of money if it was in original condition and original box now. Yeah. And that was, you know, I had a lot of pleasure playing with that toy amongst others. Scott was actually, was the only person as a child, the only person on a TV show with my name growing up pretty much. So that, you know, I did make the connection, even though I was just enjoying anything to do with science fiction and still do. It's a guilty pleasure, you know. Should, so, there's no uh, guilt, Scott. It's just pleasure. No guilt. You know, and when I look at, you know, going to Space Precinct, even being you know ignorant of the series myself when i first saw it when i was looking at you know the effects that like scott was mentioning there when i was first seeing i'm going you know what i'm, I'm looking at effects here and, and and again i don't want to because uh, it's probably not as good as what we've now got with a hd upscale if you look at think the technology that they're using like series like red dwarf when the you know when the spaceships traveling at the beginning and stuff like that, i'm thinking well there's a series that came out and ran for many years after this and even though Red Dwarf, it's a comedy series, its technology still is relevant, and the quality of what I've seen in the upscaled space precinct is better than that. Yeah, and you can see how it's impacted other people in the genre, the techniques that are used, and obviously, you know, you can go on and on about this, but you can see where things have married up, and people have used influences from your father's back catalogue. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's it's a great testament to his body of work. Well, what a lovely thing to say. Thank you. I don't feel like I cornered you into that at all. Uh, well, but, but Peter Rag, who was the effects director on, on So Much Red Dwarf, again, cut his teeth on on Thunderbirds. So the, the, the links are all over the place in the industry. So Scott and Scott, 
the confusingly named duo, thank you so much for your time and all the kind of explanation and stuff. Because, you know, we don't often get a chance to look kind of behind the curtain at the people and the machinery that get this stuff to our screens. And I'm sure that the, the Podstrons will be thrilled to, to hear your uh, recounting of it. If people want to kind of follow ITV content services or you personally, perhaps online, where where can they do that, please? They can reach out to us via the website. I mean, it's it's a kind of poison chalice for us. We've got one of the few websites that has a contact details for ITV. We strictly stress at this point for our content services team. So we're nothing to do with the programming on the channel. And we have no control over that. And uh, we have to field a lot of those unfortunate emails when people are not exactly happy <laughs> with something they may have caused offence. So we apologise, but it's nothing to do with us. But they can reach us very easily on there. Obviously, they'll find some social media exposure for us on the likes of Instagram and uh, so like your Twitter accounts. You'll find us easy enough on there. But yeah, if you have any queries, if you just want some general advice, Scott's team are super passionate. All of the guys are super passionate. There's no obligation. If you just want to chew the fat, get some advice as a starting point, if nothing else, we're always welcome to uh, have those conversations with anybody, you know? Awesome. And if Podstrons, you want to say something nice about the Space Precinct restoration, then I'm sure a nice message wouldn't go amiss over at uh, ITV Content Services. Scott and Scott, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. And thank you for doing such a stellar job on Space Precinct um, and giving it a new lease of life. Yeah. Thank you for that. It was a pleasure. Pleasure working with you. Hope we do again. Well, I thought that was rather different to some stuff we've had in recent weeks. Uh, yes, really nice, really different insight into the technical side and um, and all that. And as you heard yep. from Scott E at the end there, they would love to hear from you. They love to work on external projects. If you've got a great big bank of Super 8s and 16 mils or even some high eight old video camera tapes from 1992, they can probably help you with that. So go to the website itvcontentservices.com and you can find them on social media and send them questions and they would love to hear from you and they're quite responsive so they'll probably email you back. Oh, that'd be nice. <sighs> there we are. Yeah, great. Uh, you're listening, as if you didn't know, to the Jerry Anderson podcast. A uh, couple of things you can do for us. Oh, yes. If you're feeling inclined. Well, uh, not really. Subscribe. Actually, I'm a bit tired. No, come on. Come oh, sorry. on. Just, sorry. just uh, do as you're asked, please. Subscribe. Yes, do it's it quite now. simple. I'm on it now. Yeah. Do it now. Oh, you've done that. Okay, fine. Uh, what about uh, the review or, or, or rating? Uh, yes, yeah? yes. Could do that. How, how do you spell buffoon, by the way? Oh. Uh, and finally, copy and share the link on all your social media profiles so your friends get to listen to the podcast too. How about that? I, I'm, I'm doing yeah. that right doing that? now as well. Okay. Great. Yeah, and nice. Yeah, done. Go. Right, good, excellent. Now let's get back to some questions from our wonderful Podstrons. Uh, Penny Jones says, help, I can't justify buying any more T-shirts. Are there any plans for more homeware merch that I could spend my cash on instead? I was disappointed to miss out on that cosy-looking Moonbase Alpha throw, but I do have a full set of Gail Myers Co.'s control panel mugs and coasters, yes. which I love. Uh, would you consider collaborating with her again? Uh, absolutely, potentially. Uh, we are looking at all sorts of other things, homeware related. Um, nice. And in fact, uh, of course, yep. uh, you will have seen by now, I'm sure, our yeah. fantastic Thunderbird 2 bottle opener. I like that. Um, yeah. Which is rather cool. I mean, that's homeware, yeah. isn't it? That's extremely <laughs> yeah. limited edition. But uh, yes, nice. well, there's, there's a start for you. And that's definitely not a T-shirt. Don't try wearing the Thunderbird 2 bottle opener. Space Precinct toilet seat? <laughs> with with Orin's face on. <laughs> no, let's not go there. Uh, uh, Steve Bushell hmm. says, how about some socks? I could then wear Thunderbird 1 on one day, uh, 2 on Tuesday, 3 on Thursday, and 4 on Thursday, and 5 could be for the weekend instead of wearing one pair for the week. 
Oh, and then a fab one on Saturday and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Fire Flash on Sunday. That could work. Yeah, socks would be great, actually, wouldn't they? Yeah, we've done a few socks and things before. Yeah. That's definitely um, a possibility. They uh, yeah. We did Space 1999 socks and they weren't very popular. Ah, and we did Captain Scar and the Mistron socks and they were very popular. So Right, okay. You know, yeah. swings, and, swings and sock abouts, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, now, uh, here's a question, Jamie, that we uh, often get. Do we? Peach Harding says, one for Jamie, are there any future plans for Firestorm? Oh, goodness me. Yes, yes. we do get that one. Uh, I think we've mentioned before that and that's the, understandable. the thing yeah. called development hell. Uh, yes. And that's all I can say. These things get mm. stuck and tied up with distributors, financiers, contracts, yeah. all sorts of stuff. People ask for millions of changes. In fact, there's that fantastic uh, Twitter thread from that uh, LA-based oh, yeah. producer that's saying, right. I've just done the 17th rewrite of a project, which has taken 19 months so far, and yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about it. And it's very tedious yeah. uh, and very much in the same area. Uh, yeah. There, So, yes, there are future plans, but we are at the mercy of the media industry. And it's, it's really not that easy just to say, I'm going to make a thing. No. And I'm going to make it like this. No. Is it? Because you're beholden to other people because you can't do it on your own. And you need other people to invest their time and money into it. And, of course, Absolutely. along with their time and money, they're going to want to have a say in what you do. Yeah, skin in the game, all that sort of yeah. stuff means yeah. they have a say. And it's, yeah, the, the world of, of this stuff is extremely complex. It's mm. not like the old days where you could go to Uncle Lou and say, Lou, I want uh-huh. to make a show about a man who dies and yeah. comes back and he's indestructible and we're locked in battle with some yeah. people on Mars who we can't see. How about right. it? And he'll go... Sounds great, off you go. That's just not the world these days. In fact, I think I've said before, the average from conception and pitching to being on screen is currently six to ten years. So there's a timeline you can expect. Yes, Sadly. there we are. But in the meantime, of course, there is lots to enjoy from uh, the world of Firestorm. There's the Minisode, which is available to watch on the YouTube channel for those of you who didn't get the Blu-ray back in the day. Yeah. Uh, also, lots of behind-the-scenes uh, footage yeah, of how that loads. was made, and puppet tests and all sorts. And also, there's loads more stuff beyond that. I mean, you've got First Action mm. Bureau, you've got Five Star Five, mm. you've got Intergalactic Rescue Four, you've got the Thunderbirds mm. audios. It's the, the, yes. the, the new, the unseen, the lost, the continued. There's so much yep. out there. Yeah. Um, which I'd love for you to enjoy because it's yeah. all coming from the same place of, uh, of, of spirit and wonderment, as Dad Indeed. said. Um, first Action Bureau, did you say? Yes, First Action Bureau. Huh, interesting. Uh, Rebecca Andrews says, what are the chances that Torchy will appear on the live episode of The Randomizer in Leicester? Seriously, in 250 plus pods, you've been lucky to attract many guests from the Across the Andiverse. So who would you like as the dream guest from past or present to appear on the pod? Well, it's mm. tough on the on the live one because obviously there are other guests who are there sure. have got things to do, so we can't sure. drag them in. That's not going to happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. A dream guest. Dream guest from past or present. Um, my dream guest is. I guess Anderson related. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm not going to be, <laughs> you know, name some mm. completely unconnected party. Mm. Um, I mean, if obviously if if we could go back in time, Derek Meddings would be a fascinating one. Um, yeah, that ain't yeah. going to happen though, obviously. Yeah. And similarly, um, uh, Ed Bishop would have been yes. fantastic because he would have been, been so enthusiastic and Absolutely. so yeah. fascinating and just that lovely voice. So, yeah, um, yeah shame yeah. we can't have them. And I'd love to have heard from Martin Landau as well. 
Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, he would Because be I'd interested. love to know what actually went on, you know, during those, those years at Ah, uh, but would they tell you? Would they really well, tell you or would they maintain well, that they sort would of... now with, with, with a sort of benefit of distance. And, uh, well, you know. maybe, maybe. Well, uh, CJ List <laughs> says, uh, not a question really, as I think most of the questions I've had have already been asked, but oh. I'd like to congratulate the podcast for reaching 250 pods. I would also like again to celebrate this amazing group of podstrons, keeping everyone sane through some very strange times and being there to support each other when we when they were needed uh you don't just let torchy invade the live podcast again keep him locked up in the space pen this time and that's mm. from cj list yes well well we'll try our best but yes our wonderful podstrons deserve to be celebrated because they are really what make the podcast what it is and it's a very supportive group and it's great that we're all going to get together or some of us are in Leicester next weekend yes can't wait for that and they are lovely and i I'd occasionally yeah. check in on the podcast and just see so many nice supportive messages and so much positivity yep. so well done yep. you lot keep it up absolutely yeah yeah all for now there you go good well mm. from the podstrons keeping it up to the randomizer general keeping it up oh yeah well he's been doing the randomizer for all this time for <gasps> oh, the see. last 260 yes. pods hasn't got he? you right so yeah, well 259 yes. uh so chris is here every week with the randomizer and he just tells you some stuff about an episode of anderson basically yeah I know. so i've heard it before Cool. Yeah. Oh, well, that listen every week. You don't need to, yeah. to explain it to you, so should we just go straight to the no. randomizer? Absolutely, yeah, come on then. All right, take it away randomly, Chris. Well, what a nice day for a walk in the woods, eh, Marina? The sun is shining, the birds are singing, the. All right, mate, in here. Come on. Uh, the, the gangsters are hanging around next to trees. Oh, you just stand there, keep very quiet, and you might not get hurt. Well, alrighty then. Uh, how long do we keep this up? You can't be too sure these days. Till you know who you're dealing with. Oh, I see. Well, my name's Chris, and this is Marina. I did have a friendly chat with your missus, though I haven't had a chance to make your acquaintance yet. Ah, well, now you know. Yeah? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no hard feelings, eh? I like to get things uh, quite straight, you know. No, 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 I, I quite understand. Marina, you never told me you were chummy with gangsters. The trouble with women is, in a good mood, they're always talking. Oh, well, that would explain a few things about my relationship with Marina. Now, oh, come on. Sit down, sit down. Well, thank you, that's most kind. Ah. Uh, since you seem to be loitering without intent, any chance of pressing the button on the randomizer for us today? If we help you, can't be for nothing. I work to the rules. Rules of uh, thumb, as you might say. And a very well-placed thumb that was too. Yes, thank you. Now then, what was that about doing you a favour? Stick around. Tomorrow you'll find out. Oh, well, I should look forward to that. Right, let's see what we have today. Oh, well, it's Captain Scarlet today. Good. Yes, indeed. With fire at Rig 15. Well, see you around sometime. I'm glad we got that little misunderstanding sorted out. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, well, uh, cheery bye. Oh, what a nice chap. Leading the fight, one man fate has made indestructible. His name, Captain Scarlet. So, as we welcome back to the randomizer, the original Captain Scarlet, uh, I have to mention that it's been uh, quite a long time since I actually sat down to record a randomizer. Uh, the last time I did this with Wings of Danger, I recorded on the 19th of April. This is now the 9th of June, um, the day before I need to deliver it. I've left, I've left recording this very late, unfortunately. Um, it's very sloppy of me, I do apologise. 
But a lot has happened in that time. And I find it rather appropriate and, and somewhat sad to note that following the the demise of of network uh, network distributing, who released all these uh, lovely Anderson shows and many more on uh, DVD and in many cases Blu-ray, we get an episode of one of their lovingly restored HD high definition Blu-ray releases with Captain Scarlet, and not only that, but an episode that that looks gorgeous. If nothing else you can say about this episode, the visuals are stunning. But uh, as we watch these two chappies on the oil rig, um, you know, do a bit of uh, what's the depth now, Charlie? Setting up of, of drills and things. Uh, this is Charlie and we're near the oil strike zone. This special oil McKinley is certainly a long way down. Yeah, but ultrasonic drilling is pretty fast. Mm. We'll soon strike. I hear Spectrum want this fuel urgently for their refinery at Ben Sheba. Well, that's a place you should see. The processing plant there is unique. <laughs> I, I love the way that dialogue is presented, and I know we have to get the information across to the audience somehow, but it just seems like that conversation is a sort of day one. They would have had that the first day they met each other and explaining how the drill that they worked on worked. Uh, and, and what the, the fuel was used for. But hey-ho, it looks lovely. Both uh, Rig 15 here, for this is where we will have the titular fire, and the Spectrum Refinery at Ben Sheba. But while these guys are drilling... Oh, you'll have heard me say so many times on the randomizer, oh, I hope they get round to doing the Secret Service on Blu-ray, or, or Four Feather Falls, or the Protectors, and now... Oh, oh boy. We're not, I don't think we're going to see any more. Um, it's such a shame. But it's also, you know, A, you have to think first and foremost, oh my goodness, an awful lot of, uh, of, of talented and nice people, in my experience, have, um, have, have lost their jobs. But it's also important to remember what we have had. And for a long time, the thought of this being available in HD and Joe, and Stingray, and Supercar, and Fireball. You know, even those better quality copies of, of Terrorhawks, and of course UFO in 1999. All those little archive bits and pieces, like with You've Never Seen This, and The Lost Worlds, and even Crossroads to Crime, and even Torchy. Nobody else would ever have, have released a lot of that stuff. Certainly not restored like this, as we know from experience. In the case of Thunderbirds... Cut this iron! You know, ITV are quite happy to throw out a bare-bones, cropped into widescreen... Look at that gauge! ...bare minimum version of Thunderbirds on Blu-ray and call it a day. I just keep going a bit long. Network, we're always about going the extra mile to create beautiful restorations and gorgeous packages and they will be missed and I've waffled all over you know it's all over to the lab it's fairly obvious here we are on the rig there's a bit of drilling going on there's a very important valve and wouldn't you know it hold it the mr. on rings have just passed over it pressure is still rising this also makes me think of um, Can't be that high. Sea of Oil, Stop the drill. which I seem to recall we covered not that long ago, although it may be longer than I think at this point. It's just interesting to see I can't understand the it. difference in how 
the, the rig and the drilling process is presented in that episode compared to this. Valve must be open. And also in terms of how the set looks. Go and check it. It's too late. We'll blow. Because this is a far more realistic setup, I think, than that episode. He's gonna blow. Everyone up. And the destruction. Leave everything. Come on. Is far more believable as well. Although. Let's go. Sea of Oil did give us that gorgeous shot of the oil rig exploding straight up. That tower just going. That was in the uh, the opening titles of Stingray, but we're not talking about Stingray, nor Sea of Oil. We're talking about Rig 15, and Rig 15 is a wobblin. Uh, we don't see anybody else on it except for these two guys. Oh, there might have been an extra hanging around earlier. This is far enough. We're safe here. I hope. He comes. Yes, when we don't really see how they get off the rig and and get away from it so fast, but. It's a, it's a very convincing effect, this. The pressure of the oil coming out. And then we get the line. What it needs now is one spark. Oh, I'm sure that's not going to happen. Even though we know the title is Fire at Rig 15, because that's already come up. We're just waiting for... Oh! One of the most gorgeous explosions in, in all of Anderson history, I think. And then just this image. Now we have... You know, obviously the rig is destroyed, but now we just have this great plume of flame shooting up from the center of the desert. It's gorgeous, and crucially as well, I think they, they do a really good job in, in creating a grand sense of scale for the thing. We have observed the pathetic attempts of Spectrum to combat us. Oh, cut to that shot of Colonel White. They've noticed us! They've noticed us! Render them powerless. We intend to immobilize the whole of Spectrum. Mm, meaning the vehicles, which means they'll have to walk. Or run, as the guys on Rig 15 managed to do very quickly. Ah, oh dear. Still, nice of the Mysterons to once again tell us what's going on. Very kind of them. Is it absolutely certain that the fire at Rig 15 was a deliberate result of sabotage? Yes, sir. The drill and superintendent reports that a master valve was opened, and this was not done by accident. Right. Call a meeting of Spectrum personnel in the conference room in ten minutes. Yes, sir. Doesn't matter who you find, just get anybody. Get Dr. Fawn in there. Why not? You have all heard the latest misdrops. Yes, Scarlet, Blue, Grey and Fawn are present for this meeting. I think I know, Captain Blue. When they say immobilize Spectrum, the Mistrons mean they intend to render all our aircraft and vehicles useless. Hmm. Much like ourselves, in fact. Vehicles are scattered around the world. It would be an immense task. Indeed. I also love that... I think that the initial shot of the captains has been set up to imply that the rest of them might be around the table, but then you see this shot that proves Ochre and Magenta aren't there. But I just wonder why Fawn is there. Finery were destroyed. There's no way he's going to be involved in this operation. And yet he's, he's, you know, he's put on his uniform. He's put on his hat to come to this meeting. Captain Blue. Yes, sir. Sir. I want you to fly out to Ben Sheba right away. The angels will accompany you. S.I.G. Dr. Fawn, just um, go back to doing whatever it was you were doing. Oh, dear. So, yes, it's a good old Scarlet and Blue mission, as always. It was two and three. Immediate launch. I always wonder about that shot of Lieutenant Green ordering the Angels to launch, though, because he's sitting down, um, and I just wonder where he's been, if there was some sort of deleted material there. Maybe he was at Colonel White's desk talking, um, talking to him. 
It just seems odd that they would film him sitting down when we had no indication that he had he had ever left that chair. Um, are we going to get the cool... Yes, this is a lovely shot. Scarlet and Blue in the cockpit of the um, passenger jet. And Blue looks out the window. There's a model of the, an Angel Interceptor flying alongside. Ah, lovely stuff. I also love that little bit of uh, Spectrum music. Pipeline, rigs and storage tanks to cover. Where do we start? We'll start at rig 15. We'll start at the thing that's already on fire. And then if the fire spreads, um, we won't be blamed. There it is. Oh, it's beautiful. I love the, the sparks and flames and bits still falling off it. Flames must be a thousand feet high. Sure. It's the most frightening kind of fire there is. A really, really big one. That's a job for an expert. We hired the best. Jason Smith. Yes, in this part of the episode, uh, the whole Jason Smith thing. The fire making his... I believe this is based on a real-life character. A chap named Red Adair. And I do not know too much about him, but I believe that... He was sort of a, a celebrity in terms of um, uh, professional firefighters. Uh, I, I, I looked him up a little while ago, and accident, right? Yeah, you know, this was '67. In '69, he was putting out a big fire in Australia, but in '62, he had put out something called, I think, I don't know where it was, but the, I think the, the fire was called like the giant cigarette lighter or something. Blue of spec. So I suspect that incident. This is my truck. Why do we <laughs> Sorry, I love that. I love that. I've forgotten about that bit. Oh, this is Captain Scarlet and Captain Blue. Yeah, this is my truck. Say hello, truck. The truck doesn't have a name yet. Oh, dear. But at least we can hear each other think. But yes, uh, Red Adair is uh, almost certainly a huge influence on, on this episode and this character. I've explosive on the market. And a few I mixed up myself that aren't. Ooh, Nitro 9. Got something to put this fire out. Spectrum are relying on you. Yes, the, the giant cigarette lighter, I, I suspect... I mean, I've not seen pictures of it. I'm sure it's a very interesting and fascinating story that I don't have time to go into here, uh, thankfully, because I don't know about it. Why don't you do it? But I suspect that's a huge influence on this episode, this character and the visuals. You sure you're going to need a charge that big? You got a big blaze there, Kinley. Oil from these tremendous depths is highly combustible. You're not going to blow it out with a firecracker. Blow it out? Sure, like a candle with explosives. And I do like with this episode, and it's not something I can often say about it's got to be placed. Captain Scarlet, I kind of like the guest cast. Kinley and Jason Smith and uh, other guy whose name I knew earlier but have now forgotten. The Captain Brown guy. They're nothing standout, but it's nice that they they know each other and they all come across as professionals. It's nice to get a sense of there being other professionals in this world than Spectrum. These people working the oil rigs and, and Jason Smith here, professional firefighter extraordinaire. It's it's just nice. It's, it's a very small thing, but these are all very credible characters. Container at the end of the pole. When the heat melts the metal, then up it goes. So Jason Smith is taking in his uh, Firefly-like machine. Uh, with an explosive charge on the end of a very long pole. And who's this watching from a distance? With nothing better to do, it's Captain Black and his trusty binoculars. Where would he be without them? Um, and we already know from the way this is being played and the sinister music. Ooh, that's interesting, though. Um, firstly, actually, that I'm interested there. 
I've never noticed before, but Black's hands are normal human flesh-coloured. Uh, it's quite noticeable when he's holding up the binoculars to his pale face. His hands are are, are un unchanged. But Jason has now got out of his truck. And this is a quite effective, if somewhat baffling, scene. Jason seems frozen. Black is just fixing on him intently. The spooky music is suggesting some powers of the Mistrons are being used to overcome Jason Smith. And he's now fallen. Black is, uh... Put the binoculars back up to his face. I didn't see him get clear. Don't worry. He's too old a hand to get near an explosion. He'll be all right. Good job, uh... Scarlet was paying attention because he's right Jason Smith has not got out of there and we actually end with a, a, a cliffhanger Jason isn't dead yet will he get out of it? well we come back after the advert break and he's still still collapsed any second now yeah there's no hope for him unfortunately and it is quite quite horrible to see the body lying there we know he's probably still alive just unconscious and then, ouch, oh, that always makes me wince. Um, the fire is now out, but this massive beam Good old Jason. has fallen right across Jason's back and probably shattered his spine. He is now dead, because we have the Mistron Rings. The official seal of deadness in the Captain Scarlet universe. Once you see those rings, it's all over. Very brutal end to a character, but of course we're not done yet in one of, I think, probably the more understated, chilling moments of the series. We find Jason Smith, the Mr. On, back in his truck, at the controls, still in the fire suit. He revs up those engines, drops the scoop, and... pushes his body just into the debris. And it looks like the original uh, Jason Smith puppet, just protected by the fire suit, obviously. I don't think the puppet was in any danger. But that's a fairly unpleasant moment of, of seeing his Mr. On replacement just burying his old body. That's quite chilling. Now it's night time. Jason Smith is in his truck. Truckington Tea Truck. And it's another interesting moment here in the way Captain Black is presented, because here we have Jason working apparently as he normally would. He doesn't seem particularly Mr. On. Who is it? Turn out the light, then you will see me. Yeah, I'm not sure about this. It's, it's odd. It kind of works. I think they've also made a really good choice with this puppet to play Jason Smith. Come to pass on your instructions from the Mr. Because he's got a really good sort of haunted, hypnotized expression. Tomorrow. It may be something to do with the way he's lit. Finery at Benjiba. But speaking of lighting, yeah, when um, when Black told him to turn off the lights. Tomorrow I will destroy the Spectrum Refinery at Ben Sheba. Black was suddenly illuminated and it's one of those strange moments that doesn't seem to, to quite track with the rest of the series, that Black is visible in darkness. It's just another sort of odd moment that you add to this collection of odd Mr. On and Black related moments that never quite make sense, but they're still very cool. Anywho, breakfast. Well, the oil flows under control. 
After we've cleaned up the mess, you'll never know anything happened. Hmm. Yeah. Jason Smith... Except for the fact that you don't have a Rig 15. Where is he, by the way? He was up at dawn. Got in that old truck of his and left for the mountains. He's got another assignment at a dam project. Pity. I would have liked to thank him on behalf of Spectrum. I can't tell you how important these rigs in the refinery are to us. <laughs> they make sure our vroom vrooms can drive places. Pass on your thanks to Jason next time I see him. Yeah, so Jason is now following the pipeline back to the Ben Sheba refinery. Uh, it's a lovely truck interior set as well, and I love this touch of we see all this equipment, and I think we we're meant to infer explosives in the back. And just the set wobbling as the truck moves along. It's, it's, it's just a lovely touch that helps bring this stuff to life. Well, looks like everything's tied up here. Yes, I'll report back to Cloudbase. Captain Scarlet! Ooh. Come here, quick! What is it? We found something in the debris. It's Jason Smith. Oh dear, yeah, that was always going to come back to bite them in the bum, wasn't it? Leaving their dead body around. Incredible. I just don't understand. I saw him drive out of here this morning. There's only one explanation. Jason Smith is in the hands of the Misterons. Oh, I've always meant to um, to see if I could um, edit that line slightly. Spotted him. S.I. To make it, Jason King is in the hands of the Misterons. Uh, if you know the the um, Scarlet Spoof videos I used to make on my YouTube channel, you can imagine what, what I might have been able to do with that. Anywho, Misteron Jason Smith. Uh, well, nobody actually seems bothered that the real one is dead. It's just, oh, he's such a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. Captain, can't tell you how much it all means to us. Oh, he's dead? Oh, well, never mind. He's in fast. Identification? Yes, he's following uh, the the pipeline back to the Spectrum refinery, which is conveniently signposted um, for any terrorists who plan to attack it. Which, of course, calls for... Bum, 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 an SPV in a fuel storage tank. Uh, I guess this is at the Rig 15 site, or as near as makes no difference. Only there. Oh, there it is. Took its time to reveal that one. Ah, it's always worth it, though. I love a bit of Spectrum Pursuit Vehicle reveal. And the angels are on the trail of Jason Smith's truck. Have visual contact with the truck. It's on the road 15 miles east of the Spectrum Refinery. Captain Scarlet, Melody Angel reports sighting Jason's truck. He's on the Ben Sheba Road about 15 miles from the refinery. SIG. I love with this that um, Blue has not gone along with Scarlet. And you can always sort of, oh, not always, but sometimes tell Blue stays behind because we know that Scarlet is gonna is not going to make it out alive in this episode. And in this case, good thing too that Blue doesn't go along because uh, he would have been cooked. But within the context of, you know, Blue being an equal, you know, Scarlet's partner and an, an equal officer in Spectrum, it doesn't really make much sense for him to stay behind. I don't know what he's he's doing. Get on to Ben Sheba. Tell them to evacuate the refinery. Oh, he's making a phone call. Okay, that's fine. Um... I recognise that sound effect. Was later used in uh, Attack on Cloudbase. That's the uh, action station's siren in Cloudbase. Which is quite effective and quite chilling there because you've you've never heard a sound like that on Cloudbase before. I'm not going to make it. I'll have to cut across the desert. And as much as I, 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 I said I like the visuals in this episode and I stand by that, I don't quite understand how this bit works. Because... The pipeline to the refinery seems to be absolutely straight. 
Um, there's no curve in the thing, at least not that we've seen. Jason Smith's truck is following it, the SPV is following it, Scarlet's decided he's not going to make it. So somehow he manages to take a shortcut which involves veering away to the right and then somehow coming back. I have visual contact with the truck. And, and having you know, shaved off a load of time. It's about a mile ahead. Can you pinpoint? Even though the, the pipeline just seems to be in a straight line. The perimeter of the refinery. Time's running out. I've never got that bit. It has to be now. Oh, yes, I know. I know I'm not the only one who hasn't understood quite how that shortcut works. But it doesn't matter because we have one of these amazing vehicle chase Mr. On Showdown thingies. And of course, Jason Smith has a whole canister of explosive thingies. I'm not quite sure why the hand artist uh, decides to have two goes at pretending to throw the thing um, out of the the truck cab. Right. But anywho, gotta get him away from the pipeline, because any explosion on the pipeline could flash back to the refinery, and that would never do. So Scarlet's positioning the SPV between the truck and the pipeline. And this is great, we're getting... Oh, it's just lovely. Jason Smith on the puppet stage, with this puppet scale SPV um, side essentially just smashing into him and it's just the attention to detail in in sequences like this well all of the show all the way along the line but particularly moments like this are just gorgeous scarlet has almost succeeded in knocking jason off course one last bump yep he's veered away from the refinery and he hits a slight incline that's it can scarlet save himself no because he's crashed into the refinery now dear. Well, there is a slight fire at the refinery now. I think they may have put it out. Um, they'll probably prioritise that over putting out the fire that is Scarlet's SPV. Oh dear, the poor guy did uh, did not come out of that well. But this is a nice ending. Refinery and the pipeline are safe. That means Spectrum's supply of fuel is secure. Thanks to Captain Scarlet. Did they find the body? Yes, we've taken his, uh, body back to Cloudbase. Well, I say, uh, body, it's more a collection of buckets, really. Uh, I can show you some pictures if you, uh, aren't feeling too squeamish. But I do like this, um, this sort of, um, subdued, slightly somber tone. Good. Dr. Fawn, we have a patient. I also recognize the keep out sign at, um, the refinery there. I think it might come from Stingray. He's done a great job. And, uh... I'm sure you'll effect a complete recovery. Just make him comfortable. He'll do the rest. Uh, Dr. Fawn? Are you there? Dr. Fawn! Oh my god! Well, that was Fire at Rig 15. And, yep, I, as I said at the beginning, it's a lovely looking episode. It's never been one of my favourites. But it's it's good stuff. It's definitely, I would say, in the, in the sort of higher half of, of the series. Probably only just, because I think, although the effects work here is gorgeous, there isn't really much in terms of a story to sort of make it one that's really, you know, worth coming back to all that often. 
but it's a simple story, well told, and as I said, with some uh, some nice guest characters and some nice nods to to real world events as well, which is is always nice to see in this show. Um, but yeah, the the effects. I mean, you know, the story is named after the the prime effect, so you know you're going to be onto a, a winner on the effects department with a title like Fire at Rig Fifteen. Yeah, it's all-round good stuff, as Captain Scarlet generally tends to be. Uh, I do enjoy it. As I said, it's not a favourite. It will never, it'll never crack my top ten, I don't think. But oh, the effects work in this! All that fire, all those explosions—it's a lovely little showcase of of effects work, particularly on on the explosion front. So yeah, Fire at Rig Fifteen delivers fire and explosions aplenty. So good stuff. Dum dum, dum 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 dum. Oh, you like a bit of that, don't you? Bit of bit of. Uh, oh yeah, I love bit me. I love me seven dums. Yes. Um, is it seven? Dum 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 dum. It is seven. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Just just checking. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yes, thank you, Chris. Chris will be back with something else, which may or may not be Captain Scarlet next week on the Randomizer. True, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, what have you good. got for us, Dickie, before we head oh, off now. into the sunset? Yeah, I just had a few comments on our YouTube channel because people have been commenting beneath uh, various videos. Oh, did you really? Weeks. Did you really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, for example, nice. beneath uh, pods 258 and 259, Ian Deedy says, great to hear the news about the lost uh, Four Feather Falls script yes. that we recently found. Could this be a future Big Finish project, perhaps? Uh, and mm. I I do hope that Anna Leong Brophy comes back to do more Thunderbirds audios. Her performance as Tintin is definitely FAB. Yeah, she's great. Uh, now, the Four Feather Falls thing, it's not really long yeah. enough to be a big, big finished project because you've got to mount sure. the studio, you've got to have a director, all these people have got to come in for a day, and it's only yeah. a 10 minute script. Mm. You can't really do that for Big Finish, so I'm afraid not. Um, mm. but, It'd be nice uh, to have it in some form, though, wouldn't it? Some form would be amazing, and maybe, yeah. maybe one day we'll figure out how to do that but no I'm afraid for Big Finish that is a, a no-go yep uh, John Clay says good Stingray episode I look forward to more content on UFO and I look forward to podcast 260 well that's been go. gone yeah hope you enjoyed hope it, you enjoyed it uh, yeah. that one idiot posted hi guys oh. I would want to say that I love watching you, but I'm on a year six residential for five days, so I can't listen to your wonderful clammy podcast. Uh, P.S. <laughs> I'm 11, so am I the youngest listener? Ooh, you 11. could be. Now we. I mean, we know some people do listen with their children, but that's perhaps different. No, it's got to be. A, you've got to be a listener on yes. your own. Yes. So, well, congratulations so, on potentially being our youngest listener. Sorry, you can't come to the space centre. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're younger than 11, let us know. But I think yeah. you could well be. I'm sure we've definitely had a 12 and a 15. Yeah, it doesn't feel like ratings now, but yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, w- welcome, 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 young Podster. Indeed. Welcome, young Potsdam. And uh, also, uh, one of the fab facts recently was about the bizarre end credit song used in some Italian versions of Space 1999. Well, now, compositions posted, in case anyone is interested, I've got a translation of the bizarre lyrics. Oh, really? Want to hear them? Are you going to sing it? I don't know it well enough, but... Here are, the, here are the lyrics. There's a monster that's destroying all the spaceships oh, is and there? reducing missiles and robots to a thousand pieces. Oh, no. Space is full of mysteries. It is. Help, help me, SOS. Or try. From out of a black hole, it suddenly jumped aboard. Gosh. I feel it rummaging through my thoughts. Oh, dear. There's a blackout in my mind. Mm. Stop the rocket, Mr. Koenig. Yes, please. Help, help me, SOS. Gosh. Pretty good, aren't they? I mean, hardly Ivan Novello winning. They're but quite creative, but uh, <laughs> oh, mm, yeah. there you go. interesting. 
Now, anyway, as we go, there's tons to watch on the YouTube channel. Get lost for a weekend, why don't you? Get and, lost, uh, treat all right. It's a bit harsh. <laughs> I, I meant, you know, I meant to the Jerry Lose yourself stuff for a weekend. The, yeah, that's the thing. So, you know. <laughs> Get lost for a weekend, will you? All right. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. That's oh, my true feelings coming up. Yeah. The mask slipped. It did. Well, despite your meanness... Sorry, very cruel, Richard James. We're still getting some uh, nice revatings, would you believe? Oh, yeah. Can Got I, one for me? Can I read you one? Please do. This is from Glenn TB2. And yeah. uh, the review title is Fabulous Podcast. Oh. Uh, five stars. Glenn, what can I say? Don't know. And that's the end of the... No, no, he actually does go on to say oh, right. something. He says, oh, I see. Good, uh, yes. what can I say other than it's a great show <laughs> that yeah. any and a fan can enjoy? Jamie, Chris and Richard do a fantastic job every week and I cannot wait for more. Great job, guys. Ooh. Well, thank you, Glenn TB2, yes. for that lovely review. Ooh. I mean, it's lucky he should say he can't wait for more because, well, that's what we got, isn't it? Coming up. Oh, more yeah. Podcasts. You can't escape the moreness no. of our podcast. Oh, no. Very moreish. We'll mm. keep going, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, anything else you'd like to add for the end of 261? No, I think that's all for now. Okay, I mean, the thing is, will next be 262, and is that the live one? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, so that's right. We'll be live Gosh. for Pod 262 yeah. next week. That's uh, a pretty quick turnaround, because we'll be doing it on Saturday, and it'll be out on the Monday. So, you know, absolutely. you're be a couple of days out if you can't make it on the day. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But yes, you'll be very close to live, or close to normal to live. Uh, so do tune in then, and uh, apologies in advance for any audio quality bumps. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back to normal, sort of, for pod two six three. Normal for us, yeah. Yeah, our sort of gubbinsy normal. But there we go. We'll <laughs> we'll be back in two six three. Uh, but obviously yep. two six two live next week. So we'll see you then, Podstrons, for some live clammy ears. Bye bye. Now, I've said live clammy ears, but of course, nobody's going to get clammy ears for the live one because nobody's wearing headphones. Right, okay. Are they? So I suppose it's, not, it's no. arid ears. Yeah, uh, right, okay, fine. Maybe, 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 <laughs> clammy bottoms, but that, I don't mean that, that because shamey. everybody's sitting down on those slightly okay. uncomfortable chairs. All right. <laughs> now, actually, here, here's, a, here's a call out uh, oh, yes. to our wonderful Podstrons who can make it on the day and have already booked their tickets for both Fab Live uh, and for uh, the podcast. Yes. Uh, do come prepared with any questions or comments that you want to ask during the broadcast because I'm hoping to get some. Um, in amongst you, as we've done before, uh, to get your innermost thoughts on the podcast and, and all things Jerry Anderson. So uh, be prepared to be part of the show. You don't have to if you don't want to. That's fine. But if you've got a question, bring yes. it Yes. Do yeah. I have to think of one? Uh, well, you can if you want, yes. Um, 
Well, you don't have to tell me now. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. try and think of yeah. an interesting question for the live pod. Um, okay. But it, I'm sure it won't be as interesting as our Podstron's questions. No. So. No, not at all. Exactly. Good. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to doing it. Uh, to doing yeah, me it, too. And it's going to be great. Yes. And uh, also looking forward to a bit of a, a, a live clammy bottom. My own, and that li- is. And a live curry. Oh, and a live curry. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about that. Anyway, we can discuss that. <sighs> we finished that. our food again, haven't we? I know we, always we, do that. we did. But we can, Sorry, dis- we can well. discuss the curry and review it in the live on the Sunday. Good idea. Great. Yes. Can't all right. Wait. No. Right, off to think about questions and curry. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.